0: Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rud Janssen, Rolf Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukas, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation.
1: Conversation.
2: Welcome, Naomi Love, to the podcast on stage.
1: Thanks for having me. (laughs)
2: It's a delight, Naomi. So, uh, Naomi, for people that don't know you, right, I'm just going to read what people can see on your LinkedIn profile, because that's okay. always something that people look at, you know, when they, when they want to get to know people first. But in the conversation we're going to have, we're going to get to know you much better. Um, you are an event experiential designer, a certified event designer, a CED plus actually, in the making, uh, and an EDC mastermind, as well as a CMM. Uh, you're with uh, your program and events manager at Stanford University where you manage the development, planning, and execution of programs for the Beckman Center for Molecular and Genetic Medicine. Um, You have been doing a lot of force and family readiness programs in the the past as a director um, for the Florida National Guard, but also for um, the uh, armed forces, if I'm not mistaken. And this is just what people see when they quickly scan your, your profile. But what is it they don't see?
1: They see they don't see somebody who's very quiet, <laughs> um, who um, probably because of the environment that I previously worked at uh, from from Stanford with the with the military it was with within special operations where I also adopted that quiet professional mentality. So. Uh, it, it's not anything that I um, like to I put myself out there with, with all the things that I've been involved in, from from the government standpoint to local um, communities to working at a prestigious university. I I, I try to stay very humble.
2: And. One of the conversation elements that we're going to explore today is one of one of those um, topics, right? Because we've seen you as a coach um, coaching people to become certified event designers and they applauded your highly empathetic kind of approach to let them, letting them make comfortable failures and then helping them dust them off and put them back on, onto the right tracks. Um, You joined our EDC Mastermind program last year when we wrote the Design to Change book together. right? And uh, you are featured in that book. But you also know that our podcast always starts with the first page of the book. And the book, Design to Change, Elevating Your Abilities to Look and Act Beyond beyond the Now, starts with um, the following. A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance?
1: You know, I have struggled this past year with that question because there's so many, um, there's so many pivotal points in my personal life and professional life where they were those serendipitous conversations that happen with people who I may have never have met before. So that there is a chance you, you, there, There is a, a chance on whether or not you say hi or not. There is a chance on that you do take um, with how that conversation is, is going to develop and whether there's going to be a friendship or some sort of personal, professional relationship that evolves. So I think there is a little bit of chance that you, you, you do take and um, and how, how that conversation and how that relationship builds from that moment that you say hello, or that handshake or fist bump now, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, that's, that's where, you know, beco- becoming a mastermind, going down the road of, of CED+, you start to really internalize and embrace how and end at COVID. Oh my goodness. COVID COVID made us, it was a big punch in the gut that we all uh, worldwide uh, had to experience that, you know, conversations need to be more meaningful. They, they need to be, you know, um, intentional with, how we interact with each other because you know our time is a resource that we can't get back
2: yeah time is our currency right it's it's (laughs) the thing that we it's the thing we consume from each other in, in events um and maybe maybe we should take a bit of time to to read maybe I can ask you to read. I see you have the book behind you there. For those of you that are listening, um, I can see on um, Naomi's desk both the Event Design Handbook and the Design to Change book. And on page 37, uh, we have Naomi's quote. Uh, and I'd love to hear Naomi read out her own quote because I think it's very thoughtful.
1: Okay. Every waking moment is driven by human behaviorism. And changing behavior can be as simple as ABC. It's the antecedent behavior and consequence. The hashtag event canvas is a tool that helps drive organizational change through the power of events. Once the language of event design is adopted, it quickly becomes a way of life. That language has positively impacted my day-to-day conversations. Conversations have been elevated and are more meaningful with my executive stakeholders, co-workers, suppliers, etc. Pretty much everyone. I'm becoming a trusted advisor and I'm forever changed and there is no turning back.
2: Whoa. That's a powerful statement there. And um, Naomi, you're the, the quote that you provided <clears throat> was included um, in a chapter called Horizons of Change. Right, so one of the first chapters in the book, or the first chapter in the book, is Horizons of Change. And that's our next question. What's currently on your horizon of change, Naomi?
1: Currently, my horizon of change is to... Be that trusted advisor for my organization at Stanford as we design what the future of work is gonna look like. Lots of changes are happening. Some people are very resistant to change. <laughs> uh, some people are welcoming it with, with wide open arms and ready to jump out of that airplane and 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 see where 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 what what comes from it. Yeah. Um, you know those are those are some uh, that's a big task. Um, cuz no and one especially has to push in a, the ball.
2: <laughs> I can only imagine how in an organization that has um you know notoriety and 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 there's a lot of um expectation probably around the place that you work at from people in various roles and various perspectives um how how do you think let's say uh, uh, because that change was forced upon everyone at the same time right it's it's our <laughs> this this COVID situation was a common enemy that we all share or that we all want to like tackle in some way <laughs> um i know you've you've a You've embraced it and and um, used it to to create uh, and you know a lot of new skills and um, you're moving more from backstage to front stage is something that we you know we were discussing a little bit earlier. What does that mean for you?
1: It means servant leadership it means um being even more empathetic because of the the psychological impact that COVID has rocked our world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It means the skills and the tools that I've learned through CED and Mastermind will allow me to be part of that team and lead my organization to that next mile marker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And to strategize what what the future could potentially look like as we dust off that crystal ball.
2: (laughs) Very cool. So now that you've addressed this, there's two things we can do uh, one of them is we carry on with a series of questions around the horizons of change or the second option is that we spin the wheel and we might up somewhere else we might end up somewhere else on one of the other chapters and go down a rabbit hole of any of the other seven chapters in the book which has your preference
1: i love serendipity
2: <laughs> so let's spin the wheel shall we
1: let's spin
2: Okay. Um, and I'm actually going to share my screen just to make sure that um, you can see where we end up. And this is the absolute truth. And, um, you know, we never rig this wheel because it's unriggable, it's online. Let me spin that again so, so we have the sound. Ooh.
1: Perspective.
2: Perspectives. So <clears throat> let's take a look at the questions that we have in Perspectives. Um, perspective is actually the second chapter in the book, because right after the horizons of change, people see things quite differently. Um, and the first question that we have in the Perspectives chapter is the following one. Um, what recent conversation did you have that you may be left to chance? That you wish you could redo? Can you picture a conversation? You don't have to say with who it was, or, but, what recent conversation did you have that you wish you could redo? And maybe you could describe the context a little bit for us.
1: So, um, I mentor uh, uh, high school students. Mm-hmm. And they are students who um it's a work study program and they they tend to come from some socioeconomically challenged backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And I currently have a a high school senior who is um, very, very much wanting to be an adult now. (laughs) And haphazardly making uh, decisions and at the same time, overthinking them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: as with you know, just you know, it's it's a high school student, so there's there's a lot of things that you kind of have to you know leave to chance to a certain degree with letting them fail and having them learn um, through their failures. Um, And it's, and it's so easy to, to, to try to just say, this is what you need to do. (laughs) This is what you're interested in doing. These are the schools that you want to look into.
0: Um,
1: and I find myself needing to, to pull back and, and, and not, you know, shake her around a little bit and tell her, you know, don't, don't overthink this. Enjoy the process. Don't stress out. This is just trust the process.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This, this is, it's everything's gonna be fine. Yeah. Uh, and just maybe not um, not articulating myself as well as I should. You know, just because there's that very delicate balance of, of, you know, this is still a child, but wants to be treated like an adult, and I do treat her like an adult to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know because I I want her to feel that um to have that ownership that she belongs and to have that experience of of being in in a corporate or a professional environment um it's a neat program. it's a very neat program um and it's and it and it changes and it evolves constantly. So mm-hmm. you know when it goes back to those conversations uh, that you leave up to chance, those are those conversations that sometimes they just appear out of nowhere because you have this 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 very young innocent um doe-eyed person coming up to you going hey and they word vomit on you and you just kind of go okay well let's let's, <laughs> let's clean up and we'll we'll figure out how to work you know let's let's find a like a path together yeah
2: do you do you do you ever do you do you ever run into event owners who demonstrate similar behavior or do you see this <laughs> because you know there's there's no books for parenting or being a teenager i think that are you know or at least that I know of um, um and with events very often it's kind of the same feeling right where sometimes the event can be a sixteen seventeen eighteen year old or the people dealing with them can be, you know, having a teenage crisis in their organization. Oh,
1: absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you see that on a university campus daily, I mean, because you're dealing with youth. And so, you know, it, 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 there is still a lot of that uh, being able to, to gauge, you know, the maturity level or being able to pull somebody who, who is, is still inexperienced and, and innocent or, um, and, and into that realm of like, let's, let's think, let's expand our thinking and let's, let's figure out a different way to, to do some risk analysis. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And the same with the event owner is just like, sometimes you have to um, shape and, and assess the different perspectives, by understanding who they are, where their pain points are, truly empathizing with them, and, and offering up maybe a different viewpoint.
2: So, you, you addressed risk there for a moment, which, <clears throat> in the, um, executive perspective that Paul Rolkens gives us in the book, every time before we start asking these questions that we're currently talking about with Naomi. Uh, Risk and reward are the two kind of uh, elements that you're always playing with right in any situation, especially when it's dealing with events. So let me pop the second question on you, which is how would you address risk and reward with your event owner in your next conversation?
0: If you're enjoying this conversation, check out the book and full multimedia experience by purchasing your copy of Design to Change, elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Visit designtochange.online to order your copy and start interacting with more thought-provoking content like this. So let me pop the second question on you,
2: which is how would you address risk and reward with your event owner in your next conversation?
1: That's a fun one. Because we are currently um, having conversations about a hybrid event.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And so we are arm wrestling very much on, you know, do we move forward? When do we when do we make those calls? Um, you know, should we just have an event virtual and not even bother going down the, the hybrid um, route? Um, so those are uh, those are actually current conversations that you know it's 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 not it's not an easy conversation to have. They're the hard right conversations to have. Um, because, you know, we're still, we're still, we're still managing through this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And once again, that crystal ball, it's just not working. (laughs) We don't have a, 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 a real clear path and, um, you know, there's so many external entities that um, we have to adhere to that make decision making even more limited and ambiguous
2: Mm -hmm. so when I was speaking to um, in an earlier podcast with Janet Ham she mentioned that she always brings risk and reward at the same time To the event owner which i thought was an interesting perspective right they go hand in hand but you have to
1: absolutely
2: you have to you have to relate the two in such a way that um and this is also how we talk about it in the book i think is the event is never the purpose right there's always something overarching where the event is an element in a process to get to something bigger that's bigger than the event itself have you found that if you can if you can lock those conversations into the bigger overarching aim, does it become easier or does it become, how do people then look at risk and reward?
1: Absolutely bringing the rewards into the conversation first, right? These are all of the, the benefits. and And then turning it around by saying, if we don't do X, Y, and Z, um, this, these are the risks. Are you willing to accept those risks?
2: Because not changing a behavior can also be a risk, right? If behavior yeah. change is the thing that creates value, not changing the behavior could also be a risk.
1: <laughs> exactly. So it's just like, is it is it worth the risk? Not, not bringing this forward, not having those those opportunities to use the power of events, use the power of, of, of what we design to change behavior.
2: So do you ever run into a situation where, <clears throat> like we said, maybe, and this is the third question in this series, right, is um, where they have completely like, you're convinced that one one thing is the right thing to do. Considering the risk reward balance and but they see it completely differently. Um, what questions would you ask to see it like they do?
1: Help me understand help you know t- tell me a story where 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 do you see? this as an issue? What where just tell me your story? Why? Mm -hmm. Why do you feel this is an issue? Or where? Where could we potentially find a mutual playing field mm. and sometimes um, you know just because we're we're still dealing with so, so so many things that are psychological you know it's just there's there's some there is some fear base and in, in in the the environment and some of it is is very very much genuine and and mm. I can't I can't tell somebody not to feel what they're feeling. Mm, mm. That's such an individualized and personal thing. So it's mm. just sincerely empathizing with, you know, my stakeholders of where they where they are and trying to find that yes for them. In finding that even playing field. I think that's where the art is. Yeah, where we are right now.
2: Going to their side of the table, or however difficult it might be in in this digital world, right? It's it's because we're always in directly opposing views as well, right? It's it's uh, we always look each other in the eye, even if there's a whole lot of people, which is very uncommon. I mean, you normally in live situations don't have that, right? Um, but I I I I think you know this whole idea. Um, as you mentioned, is asking for the story behind it. You know, what's, what's the story and feeling they have relating to what they see and where they see it from, what their perspective is. It helps you break down the ABC that you mentioned before, right? Um, the antecedent, antecedent, the behavior and the consequence. You have to peel back the layers on where that came from and then look at it through that lens as well. Um, and then demonstrate the risk and rewards from looking at it from multiple sides. I think, like, like you said, it's... Uh, um, and sometimes, <laughs> Naomi, it makes me smile that you know, the story you shared. Um, I also have an, a, you know, a teenage, um, um, two kids who have gone through the teenage years, one is in the middle of, middle of it. Um, and it's true, you have, to, you have to have the shared awareness of change Uh, And you have to trust the process. You have to give it time and space uh, and it will kind of sort itself out, right? You have to trust that (laughs) um, it will end up in the right place and you cannot always steer it from your perspective. The risk and reward of making mistakes is um, usually has a good balance. And the thing is, you know, the only thing I wonder is why are why is it with events that people are so afraid of making those mistakes? Because, I mean, what's what's the. It it seems like. Uh, you were talking about the crystal ball, right? Um, how can we make events more like a rubber ball than a crystal ball, right? Because how, 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 we need to bounce it around more and look at various options.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, I know, because it's just, you know, you're bringing together human beings, you're gathering human beings, and we're the most imperfect thing on the face of this earth. But yet, <laughs> in our events, we we want this 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 perfection that is almost it, it's unattainable
2: and it's in the eye it's of the perfect. beholder so so exactly it's totally subjective yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's completely subjective yeah. um and you know what's perfect to me may not be what's perfect to you and i don't know how to get away from that i i, I don't know if if we as an industry have fell into this trap of this, you know, flawless execution that now somehow has spilled over into this perfectionistic view, that everything has to be perfect, Mm -hmm. and that there's no room for mistakes or error. But that's where the learning happens.
2: Yeah. So behavior change is driven by learnings and learnings happen when you make mistakes (laughs) Um, it should almost be more like the mantra instead of making it perfect right so a good friend of mine mentioned that some time back you know he said that don't wait for the perfect moment but make the moment perfect right you take what ingredients you have in that moment in whatever the conversation or the circumstances are um, and you make that moment perfect. You don't wait for the perfect moment, because that's, I think, sometimes what events represent, is people picture this perfect moment into a future space, right? It's like, oh, then we're going to make the time perfect for all of those people that are going to be there. Um, And you need a lot of predictive powers when there's a lot of people together. Because on top of that, people in groups behave differently than people as individuals and most of the online events have assembled groups of individuals instead of individuals in a group <laughs> i think that's part of our it's part of the opportunity actually of the risk and reward of having been exposed to this environment for a relatively long amount of time right if you if you would if you would spend all of the time since start of covid and it's now september 30th 2021 right if you were listening to this maybe a number of years after it was recorded and um, you know it's more than 10,000 hours if you hadn't slept since the beginning of Covid and it takes 10,000 hours to perfect something so unless there's somebody around that has not been sleeping for the last year you know and tinkering with this all the time none of us have had the adequate amount of flying hours to actually get it right And I think that's it's it's a very comforting thought and you don't have to get it all right. It's it's making the moment uh, perfect or perfect for what the circumstances are. And I think that's, um, you know, what question would you ask to see it like they do? I think it's it's the first thing is asking that question like you were doing, like what's the story behind it? How does that make you feel? Can I come to your side of the table and look at it from your perspective? Um, and I like how, you know, especially when the brand you represent and you know the the type of events that you do are have a very high profile. Uh, it does take um, the right kind of design mindset with multiple people to 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 mitigate risk and to create or to identify the reward, right? like you were saying. Um, looking at your mastermind journey, I'm, I'm curious, Naomi, right? So this is maybe the last uh, question in this onstage series, um, because there's, there's two favors we wanna ask you. The first one is, uh, we're gonna send you the worksheet with those three questions, and we're gonna ask you to fill those out in the next week and maybe send them back to us. And you get a copy yourself as well and, and and if you're listening to the podcast you too can access this worksheet and as well as the other eight worksheets that are connected to this book and you can practice your answers with this question and read the answers from other contributors Naomi's answers we will post in the um, footer notes of this podcast so if you're jogging or driving or you know um, uh, doing something where you're not allowed to touch your phone or your device where you could read the the notes, then do that at a slightly later time. But read those notes and uh, connect with Naomi, um, connect with the worksheets on Design to Change. And you can see her answers also in the typed format. So we spoke about them now, which was quite serendipitous because we spun the wheel. Um, But you could also read the answers uh, that she will be typing in. So that's the first question. The second question we have is, um we would like to reflect next year. Right so I will send you an invite for next year around the same time frame and we'll reflect on your horizon of change that we talked about today and then look at the gap of a year between next year and this year. Are you up for that?
1: Sounds like fun. Count me in. Yeah,
2: because when you when you leave enough space, you can see the delta, right? You can see the difference I think more easily. Um and I think that's a very exciting uh, uh, prospect of being able to do that. Um, Naomi, what, any, any thoughts that you'd like to share before we uh, go backstage in a moment?
1: You know, just reflecting already on our conversation that we just had, you know, it's all about what, I, what I'm hearing us speak about is opportunity. And leaving ourselves open for whatever opportunities there might be, um, because there's there's so much in in this human connection that we all share, and you know, open heart, open mind, empathizing, kindness, listening opportunity it's it's there it's there's a lot of opportunity and it's just whether or not you're going to be open enough to to see if there's if there's something else if there's something that could be you know that could elevate that could enhance or that you absolutely want to avoid
2: (laughs) yeah and i think this is what uh You know, aptly on the back of our book, Bertrand Picard, the explorer and and environmentalist from the Solar Impulse Foundation, he says, it's not the answer that's important, but the attitude to the question. Right. So it's not just finding the question, but also how you I notice when you answer a question, Naomi, you take you you take time to think. And none of the tools that we have online make us comfortable to to leave gaps. Yet it's probably one of the most important things to do, right? Um, Like Paul likes to say, you know, the purpose of thinking is to stop thinking. But by taking a pause, you allow yourself to think about what what is just being asked. And you sort through your your thoughts prior to answering the question. And I think if we'd only give each other more space to do that, I think um, we would have much more um, options to consider each other's attitudes to the questions. And I think that's what I really appreciate about, you know, discovering how hard it is to master good conversations. The only way to master them, no, I don't think you ever master them, but the only way to get closer to better conversations is by doing tons of practice. Practice, practice, practice. In all sorts of variety.
1: Yes. A variety of people, a variety of environments. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And this is what we feel so privileged about is, you know, coming across people like you and being able to have these conversations across the big pond, right? You're in North Carolina, I'm in Switzerland, Uh, early morning for you, uh, afternoon on Thursday for me. And here we are having a conversation that's being shared on a podcast, which all part of the EDC Mastermind um, initiative to take Design to Change into action. Right? Because behavior change is not just about observing something, it's about doing something with it. So on that note, I want to thank you, Naomi, for spending the time with us in this onstage part. And then we're going to head backstage, right? And then we'll have a little chat about what just happened on stage.
0: This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at design Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.